Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Soledago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about the start of spring and spring cleansing and why I don't think we should do it. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors, including the plants themselves. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. We just passed the spring equinox, and a lot of people, I think commonly it's said and believed that spring equinox is the first day of spring. I like to challenge that idea, and I like to think of it as the middle, the climax of spring. It's the time when we have equal roughly equal hours of day and night. And so to me, it makes sense. And I think traditionally, and according to the sun calendar, that spring actually begins on February 1st or 2nd, and which is a cross-quarter holiday, which is halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So the height of the winter and the height of the spring. And that then as we approach May 1st, that's another cross-quarter holiday. And that is officially in my mind and many other people's minds, the beginning of summer. But some people might say, well, that's actually the height of spring. And Granted, here in Maine, it really feels more like this would be the beginning of spring as far as weather-wise goes. And, you know, we aren't really seeing much green growth yet, but the stirrings are there and the shift in weather is there. And I know in a lot of other places around the country, Uh, and the world and the northern hemisphere, it is already spring. Plants have been blooming and growing. I remember when I lived in Washington State, the dandelions were blooming in February, and I was in awe, (laughs) having been growing up in Vermont my whole life. Needless to say, um, 
It sure is starting to feel like spring, whether it's the middle or the beginning in your mind. And soon we'll have, at least here in Maine, we'll have some of our first spring herbs sprouting. And maybe you already have them sprouting where you are. So the herbs that I really start looking for in the spring are coltsfoot and dandelion, violet and chickweed, yellow dock and ox eye daisy. These herbs are, well, the coltsfoot is really the flower, is what blooms way well before the leaves come up. But all the other herbs, you know, start with their leaves. I like to think of violet flowers are what I kind of focus on in the spring, and I wait more for the summer to work with their leaves. But the dandelion, the chickweed, the yellow dock, and the oxeye daisy are all spring greens that I really like to work with and harvest and add to my wild salads or uh, egg dishes or anywhere that I would add any sort of green herb to, um, I would add bits of these wild plants to my meals. So wild salads, you could even make pestos with them if you have a lot of them. The oxeye daisy is so uniquely delicious. Another really nice spring green, now that I'm thinking of it, is sachan, uh, which is a Cherokee spring green, and it is also known as green coneflower, and it's very, very tall and has yellow flowers eventually. It's a rudbeckia. So I, this time of year, I really begin to crave salads and fresh food and lots of green food coming out of the winter of heavier food and a um, lot of kind of heavy on the carbohydrates. It just feels really nice to be looking forward to some fresh vegetables and especially fresh greens. I have been eating salads lately. Um, a salad that I've really enjoyed lately is um, romaine lettuce, Chinese cabbage, and as the base. And then I add um, peeled carrots and chopped celery and some chopped sweet peas chopped apples and almonds, toasted almonds and crazed cr dried cranberries. And then I've made a dressing. I've, oh, where I am, I don't have, um, the, I didn't have any avocado at the store that I went to, but I really wanted like a creamy green salad dressing. So they actually had some, uh, home like guacamole that didn't have any preservatives in it so I just bought that because that's what was available to me at my local grocery store and I added um rice rice vinegar to it and a bunch of lemon juice to it and just to kind of thin it out and add some citrus and some salt and I used that as the dressing as like a really creamy dressing Mm, that salad has been so good. I've had it for the past two days and it's just really fresh and creamy and hearty and full of fiber and very delicious. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm not a huge advocate for raw food and that's for a few different reasons. Like we really don't get a lot of the nutrition from raw food uh, versus if I were to like cook all of that down and make a soup with it, uh, which I could do actually with most of it. I don't know if I'd put romaine in the soup, but or the the cranberries or the almonds, but um, everything else I could cook it down and put it in a soup with a make like a pureed soup, and that would actually I'd be able to eat a lot more of it, and it would be I'd really be getting the nutrition from it. 
which maybe I should do that now that I'm talking about it. But once you, you know, cover your salad in some sort of fat, like the avocado, I did also put a little olive oil in with that dressing as well. It does help to break down um, the food once it's in the gut or in the belly. But really, ideally, um, I just, I'm, I'm mostly getting the fiber out of it and I'm getting the fresh the freshness from it. I do find that after I eat the salad, um, I do get quite cold. And that is one thing with raw food is that it can really have some very cold energetics to it and really kind of cool down the body temperature. I think one reason is because it takes so much energy and heat to break down that food um, because you know, when we cook it on the stove, we're using a lot of heat and energy to cook down that food. When we're eating it fresh and raw into our belly, then we have to produce enough heat to start to break that down to some degree and I can get really cold. So if you already run cold, definitely avoid fresh, raw vegetables and fruit or eat them in uh, small amounts or moderation. And the other thing that I really am not a fan of about raw food is it can be really hard to digest. And I tend to have quite a strong constitution, so I can eat most things and I'm not overly bothered by them. Although I will find that if I eat like the first day that I ate the salad, maybe like an hour or two later, my guts were a little sore and tender. And I was just like, oh man, Bridget, that salad was so yummy. But I'm definitely feeling it now. And it's, um, so it's not ideal. But sometimes you just got to do it. And it is delicious. And, you know, I'm getting at least the fiber and I'm getting some of the benefits from it, plus the nuts and the cranberries were cooked. That is just what I have been craving. And if I was at the point where I could harvest my spring wild greens, I could throw those in there and I'd be getting some of the microbes from my environment uh, in very small amounts which could be very beneficial for my own microbiome. I often really like with salads, I like to throw in um, pre-roasted vegetables. So if I was really on the ball, I would have roasted some carrots ahead of time. Or what I was really looking for were some beets that I could, I love putting roasted beets, cold roasted beets on, on top of salads especially when there's a creamy dressing, like a tahini dressing or avocado dressing. I also put a hard-boiled egg on the salad, which was also really yummy. I, I will often put cheese on a salad, but I didn't put any on with this one because I figured my guacamole dressing was creamy enough. So that's kind of the spring food that I've been craving lately. Of the... Um, the herbs that I was just talking about. The yellow dock, I think, is one of my favorite greens. It's just so sour and lemony, and that would actually be really good, like, blended into a salad dressing. You could make, like, a green goddess salad dressing with uh, plain yogurt and then some wild greens. Maybe the dandelion would be a little too bitter, but um, some chickweed and some yellow dock and oxide daisy greens blended in there with, you know, maybe some cilantro or parsley or um, some tarragon could make a really yummy dressing as well. So I do have salad on my mind. But something that I also have on my mind is spring cleansing. And that often um goes along with this whole like spring salad mode and i want to talk about spring cleansing i want to talk about why i don't really like to promote it at all and i really don't think it's a good idea anymore i used to do spring cleanses every year at least once or twice a year 
once or twice a spring or seasonal cleanses. And I've really moved away from that um, because I really don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a healthy way to view our body as being um, dirty or toxic. I don't think it's healthy mentally or emotionally. I don't think it's true. And I also really want to focus on nourishment versus cleansing. So today I want to talk about, um, you know, what it means to cleanse, why I don't agree with it, and what we can do instead, and some of my own personal experiences with cleansing. And I'd be curious to know if you have done any cleanses, if you enjoy them, if you find them difficult, um, what have you had um, ill health effects from it, whether it's mentally, physically. So let's get into it a little bit. And I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email me or direct message me on Instagram and let me know your cleansing experiences. So I really think that instead of cleansing, what we really want to focus on is nourishing, rejuvenating, reviving, invigorating, Like these are all the spring feelings and actions toward health that I would really think are going to be better for us to focus on than cleansing. And why, why do I think that? Well, we can spring clean our house, you know, we can open the windows and spray some vinegar around and dust and you know, wipe out some accumulated things that maybe, you know, if we've had the wood stove going, we might have some ash dust around the house and what have you. Clean the windows that have gotten stained from rain and snow water or children's fingerprints or, you know, clean up some clutter that's been left around. And that's all good. That feels really good to me, spring cleansing the house. But as far as our body is concerned, or any living system is concerned, cleansing, as I have been taught, and I really do believe is code for damaging. So when we talk about cleaning an environment, Really, what we end up doing is harming it. Now, if we think about what the opposite of clean is, well, it's dirty, right? Dirty is the opposite of clean. If we're dirty, we want to clean ourselves. And, but what is dirty? I mean, dirty is dirt, and dirt is the flesh of the earth. It's not only the flesh of the earth, but it's like the living flesh of the earth. It's the part of the earth that is teeming with life and microbes. Not only that, but it's the part of the earth that is also full of nutrition and nourishment for the plants and therefore for the animals and the insects. So I think in some ways, like we really have to shift our perspective because if we see dirty as being quote unquote bad and clean as being good and ideal, then it really becomes um, earth hating perspective, a nature hating perspective, potentially even a life hating perspective. And ultimately, I think this really stems really deep deep roots in, in, in a subconscious way in our, in our culture, um, it stems to the religious ideal of the higher self being better and more ideal, the spiritual self being other than flesh and body, that our body is not good. I I don't even know what the term is. I'm really not a religious person. So it's hard for me to even put it into words. But where, you know, the body is lesser than and the spirit is greater than. 
And this really comes from a division when we see the spirit and flesh as divided, which really causes a lot of problems in health. And when we see that the spirit and flesh are part are one together, then we realize that um, one is not better than or worse than the other, that they are one in the same and that we have access to each one through the other. So I don't want to clean our dirtiness. I want to embrace it. I want to love it. I want to appreciate it. And I want to nurture it. When we clean the environment, we tend to destroy the biome or the microbiome, the microbes of that environment. And it's the same with our gut. Our gut is like the soil of our body. It's where a lot of the nutrition is assimilated and provided for our systems. And it's where the microbes live and dwell, and it is teeming with life. And when oftentimes when we talk about cleanses, it really is focused on our liver and our intestines and seeing our intestines as something dirty or gross or um, needing to be washed and cleaned and purified. And there's hmm, a lot to unpack there. And I'm going to, if you so desire, I would love for you to um, think about this, meditate on it, and do some of the unpacking here, especially if you do cleanses and are enmeshed in a culture of cleansing, which the heroic tradition very much is, the heroic tradition of healing, um, which I was very involved with for the majority of my time as an herbalist and studying herbalism. And um, it's, it's a dominant paradigm for sure. Oftentimes, when we talk about cleansing, you're actually really flushing um, the, the colon with, or part of the colon with uh, water. And really to, you know, purify it and, and clean it out. And it's very similar to if we were to flood um, an agricultural field and or fertile ground versus if we were just to embrace like a, a delicate rainstorm. So we do need water. We do need rain. We do need um, that as an aspect. We do need motion and movement. But anytime uh, fertile ground is flooded, it's going to destroy it. It's going to destroy the life that is there. If you've ever been somewhere after a flood, or if you've seen photographs, then you know that this is the case. And we don't want to do that with our body either. And I really do think that these practices are beginning to fall from favor, which is great. But they still are out there. And there might not be enemas or colonics as much as there used to be, but there still are this idea of needing to uh, clean out the intestines, whether it's with a really big fiber protocol or an extreme amount of drinking of water protocol, which is kind of flooding it from the other end, or laxatives. <clears throat> you can also um, compare this to uh, cleaning the woods, cleaning the floor of the woods versus letting the trees um, that fall rot and die and add to the hummus there. So I have a an aunt who would have my cousins go out and clean the woods around their house. It was a, just a small strip of woods in between their neighbors and them and their beautiful big, huge old pine trees. 
which, as we know, love to drop their branches. And I would always comment, I was like, wow, everything's like just so neat and tidy. And she'd say, oh, yes, you know, I really appreciate clean woods. And, you know, my cousins would be like, oh, yeah, she would have us out there picking up all the sticks and getting rid of them and raking up all anything that had fallen to the ground. And, and if we think about that, like, what does that do to the ecosystem there? There's no longer any food for the soil microbes or the mycelium, the fungi, which are so important for actually providing the nourishment back into the living trees. And there was a big windstorm uh, that came through, and of all of that area, that neighborhood, all of her trees fell, many of her trees fell, and one, I believe, fell directly onto their house and caused some serious damage. So this is just an example of any time we start to clean a living ecosystem, we really disrupt it. And we will do that with our own bodies as well. When we cleanse, it's often what we're saying is, I'm going to detoxify. I'm going to clear the toxins from my liver and my blood. And I really find this to be a very warlike perspective. Uh, like we're going to be wa- uh, waging war on our own body, on our own toxic flesh. And we have to detoxify it. We have to purify it. And whew, purifying wars, those are never good. But also in a war, you know, no one ever really wins in a war and a lot gets damaged. So the other aspect of this is we don't really have toxins that stay in our liver or our blood. There are pollutants in our environment that are in all humans as well. And those are stored in our fat cells. And we don't eliminate them through our kidneys or our intestines. We eliminate them through our tears and our milk and our eggs and our semen. So, which is really kind of upsetting because that's all of our reproductive um, aspects of our body. Maybe not our tears, although, whew, as as... Maybe there are some tears that are involved in reproduction, but mostly, and in our baby, I mean, babies cry a lot, right? But, you know, eggs, sperm, and milk. And so that is why we get these accumulations of these uh, pollutants throughout and uh, concentrated, continually concentrated generation after generation. Oftentimes, our liver is called a filter, and we have to cleanse the filter of our liver that is accumulating all these toxins. And I think that this is a skewed perspective of our body because, I mean, when we think about what a filter is, so we think of a coffee filter or an oil filter in our car, or the filter in our vacuum. These are all filters. Like, how do we clean those? We actually don't really clean them. We have to replace them, right? We have to actually remove them from the thing that they're in because they get all gobbed up because the, the whole point of a filter is that it has holes that really small things can get through or maybe water can get through in the case of a coffee filter, but the coffee grounds itself cannot get through it and never will be able to get through it. So you can never actually like clean the coffee grounds out of the filter. You have to take the filter out of the machine and empty it because those coffee grounds will never be able to go through that filter. It's not designed that way. 
And so I don't like to look at our liver as a filter because it doesn't necessarily work that way from my understanding of it. Um, from my understanding, our liver is a highly functioning organ that is made up of mostly blood and that the blood flows through and in so doing, the liver has like, a, I want to say it has about 500 different functions <clears throat> of varying degrees and that are all really important for the health of our body and the functioning of all the other aspects of our body. Our liver is more like a director, you could say, where it says, or a coach, where, you know, all of these things that we've consumed and that have made it from our guts into our blood, now the liver gets to see all of those things and it says, you go here, you go there, you go to this place, you go to that place. We want you, we don't want you, you know, you're going to get eliminated we have to metabolize you. We have to turn you into something else so that you can be eliminated. We have to attach something to you so that you can be eliminated. We have to attach something to you so that you make it to the correct part of the body that requires you, um, whether you're a nutrient or a hormone or an enzyme or a protein, amino acid, whatever you are. Not only that, but the liver also has the ability to take apart things uh, like hormones and then reform them into other things. So not only is it a coach, but it's also could be compared to a recycling center to, to some degree, more so than a filter. Before we continue with the show and more about the functions of the liver and effects of cleansing, I want to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves, to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. That's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So when we fast... And we don't eat any fats and our body needs fats to function. So the body will start eating the fats that we have stored, which is one of the reason why people will cleanse or go on like a fat-free diet for a short amount of time because often it's like a weight loss trick or... Um, the idea is, well, we're going to get rid of all these um, toxins that are stored in our fat cells and excess hormones, whatever. However, like I said, unless we're doing a lot of crying while we're doing that, um, then those toxins are just going to circulate in the blood and give our liver extra work to do to process them and to find a new place for them to go in new fat cells for them to be stored in. And if we're not consuming fat for them to be stored in, then they're just going to be circulating through and they can really uh, make us sick or cause some cell mutations or really cause some damage. So this whole concept of, um, I can't remember the what it's called, 
there is a name for it. And maybe you know what that name is. Um, but off the top of my head, I can't think about it. But it's it's where we start breaking down our own fat cell reserves. Um, that can actually cause some detriment. And there have been scientific studies around this where they've taken you know, men who eat just like your regular standard American diet and they measure the blood for pollutants and, you know, it's very minimal. And then they make these men fast um, and go on super low fat diets <clears throat> for a short amount of time. And during that period of time, they measure the blood and the blood is um, has a lot more of these pollutants in it. And then they have the men go back on their regular standard American diet and measure the blood again. And then there's less pollutants in the blood because, again, they are now stored again. So it's not necessarily a healthy way to go about it is to all of a sudden really start losing a lot of your fat cells because the things that are stored in those fat cells, whether it's estrogen or hormones or um, pollutants that, that they can really start to wreak havoc on the body. So maybe we do want to lose weight and we do want to eliminate some of our fat cells, um, but we need to do it in a more long-term way in a more modulated way. Not only is the liver not a filter in my mind, but it also has the ability to renew itself. And every between 150 to 500 days, probably depending on the person, their state of health, uh, and their age, the liver will totally replace itself. It is a very, has a high turnover. And so what we can do is we can um, support the health of our liver so that it is able to, you know, regenerate and renew itself in a healthful way. And we can do that by um, eating whole foods that don't have a lot of pollutants in them. Uh, and avoiding constituents that are going to challenge the liver's effectiveness, and also by um, working with herbs that support liver function. You know, I really feel like when we tell ourselves that we need to cleanse our toxicity, that we need to detoxify ourselves, that we're really doing both our mind and body a disservice because that means that we are seeing our body as filled with trash and needing to be flushed like a, like a waste facility or a toilet. And this is not really a healthful view of ourselves and nor is it really true. I really think that, and this might sound a little harsh, but I really think that this breeds a feeling or even a culture of self-hatred or of hatred of the body. And again, I think that this ties back to, you know, flesh being lesser than uh, spirit in this like really old religious mindset. And it really can make us feel like we are sinners. And I really don't appreciate that personally. I really hate to hear people refer to the body as, you know, being, having trash or, you know, when we sleep at night, we take care of all of our trash or our waste, the waste that's in our body. You know, like this is just like, it's just not um, a really holistic or healthy way of looking at it. We could say, you know, that we are going to release what no longer serves us. We're going to release what we no longer need. We are going to process what we have eaten and then and metabolize it, ingest it, and, and then pass on what no longer serves us. We can nourish our body, we can process what we consume, and then we can release it back to the earth.
there's also this like really strong belief or concept I feel like especially in the heroic tradition around cleansing that to be healthy we must eliminate through our bowels after every meal so if we're eating three meals a day then we have to be eliminating three times per day and if we are not then we are constipated and unhealthy and there's something wrong with us and you know, our intestines need to be pure and empty um, for us to be in this like idealistic view of health, which is actually not really realistic. And it's really not healthy. And it's not a perspective that supports health in any way. So a lot of times that comes with this perspective is that we have to drink lots of water and so that that when we're peeing we pee clear so that you know we don't have any impurities in us if we're peeing yellow then we have impurities in us and so we have to drink enough water so that we don't see any color coming out of us and again you know, if we're drinking water so much to that degree that we're just flushing water, um, I really think that, and this is, you know, a personal belief, but to me that seems like we're making our kidneys work a lot harder than they really need to. And it can actually tire them out and wear them out. Granted, we don't want to not be peeing at all, like urination is key to health, and healthy urination um, is important, but um, you you know I've definitely had friends in the past where the amount of water that they drank was astounding, and that they needed to pee all the time, and to them that meant that they were healthy. The more they peed, the healthier they were, because it meant that they didn't have any impurities in them. And like that is actually really not a healthy way to support your kidney function. And along the same lines of that is when we're clean, when we are detoxifying or cleansing our liver, usually where we are working um, with herbs that are very bitter, which do help the liver to function. Uh, but if we're using them in really extreme amounts or large amounts, or really the idea is like, that like we're stimulating the liver or pushing it beyond its normal process ability and its normal state to give it that extra boost. And usually when we're pushing a part of our body beyond its natural abilities, we end up damaging it. But what we can do is we can nourish and support the functioning of the liver so that it can just, so that that like makes its ability to process things better. But we're not, it's not forcing its hand. It's tonifying it. It's giving it the nutrition that it needs so that it can function optimally and giving it some of those bitter constituents that it needs, that it has co-evolved with the wild, bitter constituents in plants, in wild plants that it has co-evolved with that it needs for healthy functioning. You know, cleansing also, there's there's money in it, folks. I got to tell you, there are more and more, and even 20 years ago, there were lots of products that you could buy in health food stores and now whole product lines that you can buy online um, that are all labeled under the guise of cleansing and detoxifying. And, you know, whether it's like a heavy metal detox, a candida detox, a parasite detox, a... Um, a pollutant detox, a toxin detox, or what have you. I mean, they're, they're all out there. 
They can be as simple as, you know, take this capsule in the morning and this capsule at night and this tincture throughout the day. Or they can be full-on programs where you're given shake powders and tinctures and capsules and a whole rigmarole that can cost hundreds of dollars for a month subscription or so. And we really need to be careful with these. Um, there's also lots of books that, you know, the detox diet or the detox this, the detox that I, I have them. I have followed them. I have worked with them. I have been in the past very enmeshed in this idea of to be healthy, I must purify. I have been a sinner because I have ingested the wrong things. I've done the wrong things. I've, you know, not treated my body well, and now it is time to make amends and to purify myself. And therefore, I must restrict my diet. I have to do all of these things. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be difficult. I might get sick. I might feel bad. But it's all in the name of purity and detoxification. And therefore, it's healthy and what I should be doing. And let me tell you, folks, it was not a healthy way to be. Uh, nor was it a healthy way to um, try to bring myself to a healthy state. And honestly, I was already healthy to begin with. It was like I was, I was already healthy, but I needed to pathologize my healthfulness. I needed to pathologize the normal functionings of my body and the normal abilities of my body. And therefore I had to treat them, which in the long run, um, damaged, damaged them. Often cleanses are disguised as diet plans with a mask of health. And, you know, I've been there, I've come out of, you know, my winter, the 10 or more pounds that I gain every winter, um, and been like, oh gosh, I'm ready for spring. Let's drop these 10 pounds as fast as I can. Let's uh, starve myself under the guise of a, of a healthy cleanse. Um, you know, not, not a healthy relationship with my body or with food or um, with basically how I was treating my body. And I wouldn't even acknowledge that because I was so able to hide behind the fact that I was doing something healthy for me and I was cleansing and detoxifying myself. You know, I would, I, there have been times where I would do these cleanses in a group. Usually it was like connected with my yoga class or, um, or some other program. And we would take what, 10 days or two weeks or whatever it was. And we would slowly, you know, limit our diet. And it would start out great. It'd be like, okay, well, you know, let's um, focus on whole foods and we'll, you know, start cooking our foods. And then it would go down to, okay, now we're just going to do uh, raw smoothies. And you're just going to take a bunch of vegetables and you're going to put them in a blender with some water, and you're going to drink that three times a day. And you're going to do that for, you know, a handful of days, and then slowly come back out of it. And after and while you're in the height of just doing the smoothie, the the smoothies, you're also going to be doing some laxatives to make sure that you clean out everything that's in your intestines, like everything that is backed up from years and years but I'm going to tell you things don't back up and don't think you don't have like residual food and waste products in your intestines it doesn't really work that way from my understanding it's like if you feel the inside of your cheek with your tongue uh, can you imagine anything sticking to that surface I mean, that is the surface that goes all along your whole digestive tract. 
all the way through. It's very much similar to that texture and that consistency. Even the stickiest thing, even gum would never actually, chewing gum would never actually stick to that. I mean, granted, if you have di- diverticulitis, you have little pockets in your intestines that things could get stuck in, but that that's that is even a more of a problem on its own, and definitely a cleanse probably is not going to be good for it. Um, could probably make that potentially flare up. So that's not again, it's not possible, and I know that my experience from what I was doing these shakes um it would what i put in to me the it would be like a blueberry so it'd be this dark blue shake with like kale or it'd be like raspberry and spinach plus some other vegetables all blended together and that would be like the red smoothie um and yeah it would look exactly the same going in and going out it was like and it would happen pretty quickly too. And yeah, sure, I was clean. I was clean on the inside. There was nothing else in me. And these shakes were just going right through, but they were not being digested. They were not being assimilated because they looked exactly the same. My body did not know what to do with them. It just said, okay, well, we can't do anything with this. So out the shoot it goes. And. Um, I felt amazing though. Like I was high on cloud nine. I felt very high when I was doing these cleanses. And I later learned that this is actually like a natural response that the body produces when it goes into starvation mode, when you're not gaining any nutrition or calories from the food that you're eating. I mean, this is really actually very disordered, um, you know, anorexic eating. I, I would only do it for a short time. I didn't even truly realize that's what was happening. Um, I wouldn't classify myself as an anorexic at that time or that I even had a disordered view of food or eating. Um, but that is what it was. And I was starving myself. And when we starve ourselves, our body is like, oh boy, here we go. We're going into like a great time of suffering. So we're going to produce some happy chemicals. We're going to actually produce some chemicals that are going to go into those same opiate receptor sites. And we're going to make this person feel really good because obviously things are going really wrong somewhere along the line. And so you feel great. And actually that can, that can be where these cleanses and juice fasts and fasting can become a little addictive. Uh, Something to really keep in mind. So sure, there are cleansing programs that quote unquote cleansing programs that are called cleansing, but actually are more nourishing than they are cleansing. And I think that maybe it's now called clean eating, which again is similar to this whole idea of like cleanliness. Um, And I mean, that's a little, I mean, yes, that means maybe that our food is whole, whole food, and it doesn't have a lot of additives, preservatives, and poisons in the food itself. So it's quote unquote clean. Um, but it still does not shift away this paradigm view of like our flesh is dirty and therefore we must clean it. Um, and that is something that I really do want to shift a perspective of. So even though, so let's call it what it is. Let's call it a nourishing, a revitalizing, a restoring diet, a whole food diet and not a cleansing diet. And that would be basically whole foods cooked well, assimilated well, that don't upset your digestive process and that feed your microbiome in your gut, which would be whole foods, high fiber foods, and fermented food. And so then there's all of these detoxifying herbs. And Sure, a lot of these detoxifying herbs are actually 
nourishing alternative herbs. They're herbs that are high in minerals and protein. So I'm talking about dandelion root, burdock root, yellow dock root. Um, they're going to be high in minerals. They are going to be nourishing and they're going to be bitter. So they're going to be supporting liver function. And they're going to be considered alteratives where they really help um, promote lymph flow and promote the health of our blood by supporting the organs of metabolism. So the liver, helping the liver to function better, helping the kidneys to function better so that therefore we have less metabolites and things that no longer serve us floating around in our blood. But let's not call them detoxifying and let's not wage war on our body with these herbs. Let's nourish our body with these herbs. Well, Bridget, that's pretty much one and the same. Why do you have such a big beef about these words? And I have a big beef about these words because words form thoughts and thoughts form physical being. It's a paradigm shift that I really like to work toward being in. One of nourishment versus one of detoxification. Because if we have toxins in our body, then we have an enemy that we have to fight, that we have to eliminate, eradicate. And that really sounds like war to me. And like I say, no one wins in war. The only thing wars do is they leave behind a lot of damage and destruction in the wake of their path and a need to rebuild. So what are some symptoms of um, cleansing that people have? So cleansing could be... um, can cause headaches, they can cause skin rashes, they can cause serious digestive upsets, they can be as harsh or harsher on the microbiome than taking antibiotics are. They can create brain fog. And then on the other end, they can create these feelings of bliss, which have some potential for addictive pathways. The cleanses also are affect our blood sugar levels and are really dangerous for people who have diabetes. If our brain and other parts of our body are not being fed the nutrients that they need, then our body will eat itself. It, it will eat our own stores. It will source... Um, nutrients from other tissues in our body, our bones, and even our heart muscle so that it will get what it needs. Not only that, but if we are drinking like really large amounts of water in this cleanse and we end up depleting or diluting our electrolyte concentrations in our body, then we can um, really impair our body's functions, such as blood clotting and muscle contractions, balance of acid and fluid regulations. It can even um, disrupt our heartbeat. So we really just need to be cautious and we cannot go to extremes here because um, ultimately we really can do harm. So what can we do? Well, like I said, we can nourish ourselves. We can treasure ourselves. We can honor ourselves and we can trust ourselves. We can trust that our body knows how to take care of itself if we provide it with the nutrition that it needs. Our liver already knows how to quote-unquote detoxify. 
itself. Our kidneys already know how to function. If we provide them with the nourishment and the support that they need, then we will be able to take care of things just as we need to maintain health. This is not something that we need to control or regulate on our our own. We are already doing it. So with the change of seasons, sure, if you want. And yes, I've gained some weight this winter, as always. And I'm going to be exercising more come spring. I'm going to be out in the garden more. I'm going to be eating lighter food. I'm going to be eating fresher food. I am going to be drinking um, my nourishing herbal infusions, of course. And if I want to work with dandelion root and burdock root and yellow dock root to enhance the functioning of my metabolic pathways, to alter my body to a more optimum state of health, then that's great. I will do that. I will um, take the tinctures and drink the teas of the burdock root or the dandelion root. I'll incorporate the burdock root into my diet. Um, I will take a tincture of yellow dock root. Absolutely. I will um, also work with red clover blossom to support lymph function. And I will you know, eat my high fiber diet. I will enjoy my salads and I will be okay that I will be on a little bit of the cooler side. I will have grain salads with well-cooked grains and cooked vegetables and I'll eat them cold with a nice salad dressing on them. And I'll make healthful dietary adjustments as needed. And that might mean that I'll make a meal plan Um, to make it easier to shift. Because once I get into a habit of eating a certain way, um, those heavy winter foods, then sometimes I need to do some planning um, so that I can shift my, my habit. And I will eat my leafy greens. I'm gonna eat kale and collards and Swiss chard, but I'm gonna cook them. And I'm going to cook them for an hour in a little bit of water. And they are going to be delicious. And I'm going to digest them fully. I'm not going to see any remnants of them in the toilet bowl. Because if I am seeing remnants of them, then I know that I'm not getting any nutrition from them. I'm going to put fermented foods and lacto-fermented vegetables in my salad. I'll make yogurt salad dressings yogurt-based salad dressings with lots of fresh herbs blended into them. And I am going to enjoy life. And I'll make smoothies. I'll make yogurt smoothies, but I'm going to put frozen fruit in them because freezing the fruit, again, makes them more nutritionally available to us. And I'm going to go out once those wild greens start growing and I'm going to harvest them and I'm going to sprinkle them on my salads and I'm going to cook them in my morning eggs and my frittatas and I'm going to make pestos with them that I can spread on whatever meal that I might be having. And I'm going to get outside more and I'm going to exercise more and I'm going to push that wheelbarrow around (laughs) and spread a bunch of mulch and dirt around, and I'm going to get my hands dirty in really good, healthy soil, and then I'm not going to wash them before I eat with my hands so that I get some of those soil microbes into my gut this spring. So that's my spring nourishment plan, and I'd love to hear more about your spring nourishment plan. As always, you can find me on Instagram under Soladago Herb School or my website, soladagoherbschool.com. 
You can email me at soledagoherbschool at gmail.com. And if you have enjoyed this podcast or any others, feel free to click a five-star rating on iTunes. It'll take one second, and it'll help people see the podcast more. Uh, If you have a few seconds to spare and you want to leave a short review, I would really appreciate it. Um, And other than that... I wish you the best this spring, and I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.